Thanks for listening in today to our Friday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we will be continuing our study in the book of Genesis. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. And Reuben steps forward, speaks to his father. Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, I'll bring him back to him. I know. I don't know how I know. I just think his sons were there when he said that. And they're going, dude, what is that all about? But it's really him just making a rash statement of in a very clumsy manner, he's trying to take control, be the firstborn, trying to, you know, take responsibility of the firstborn to say, I will bring him back. Bravado on his part, kind of a rash statement, clumsily being said, But he said, my son shall not go down with you. This is Jacob. For his brother is dead and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Basically what he's saying, if anything happened to Benjamin, be the death of me. Obviously isn't the death of you if something happens to Simeon. Because you're leaving him out to dry there. You leave him out to dry. Genesis 43. I believe that Joseph's brothers are experiencing a little measure of repentance during their trip down to Egypt. Um, there's still much to be accomplished in their hearts before God uh, to make things right with Joseph, to make things right before their father. Um, they need to come to an end of themselves. They need to see the bankruptcy that sin brings into their life. They need to experience the joy of forgiveness and see God's grace and, and have true faith in God. But this is going to require another trip to Egypt. So, Verse one, now, before there was famine in the land, now the famine was severe in the land. How long? When they came back with grain, how long did they stay there before going back again? I don't know. But I would, it just seems to me it would be at least six months, you know, possibly a whole year went by. And now the famine is severe. That whole time, Simeon's going, they're not coming. They're not coming. And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain, which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back and buy us a little food. I love the way he, he, he kind of tells Reuben and the others, go, buy, go back to Egypt, buy some more food. Like it's just a quick trip to the grocery store. You know, hey, we're out of bread. Could you go to Safeway real quick? You know, and so he looks at this. And Judah speaks to him saying, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we're not going to go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Judah makes it very clear. We'll go down, but Benjamin has to come. And if you're not sending Benjamin, no one's going down. It's going to be fruitless. There's no reason. He will not see us and he will not sell us grain. It's very clear. It's very clear. And now we have a change of name for Jacob. He's not referred to Jacob in this chapter. Now it's Israel. And Israel said, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you had still another brother? Well, it doesn't sound like he's being governed by God right now, but just watch as things progress. 
okay? But they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves, our family, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him, according to these words, could we possibly have known that he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me, and we will arise, go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I myself will be surety. I will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you, set him before you, then let me bear the blame or the sin or the guilt forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned the second time. And by the way, we would have Simeon. Doesn't seem to be in the equation. So Judah is the one who begins to show some leadership here. Um, And he doesn't say anything brash. And you can kill my sons. Uh, You know, he just takes full responsibility. And he says, look, if anything happens to him, I'll bear the guilt, the shame. I will be surety for him. I'll be the guarantee that he comes back. It's interesting because Judah is the tribe of Judah, obviously comes from Judah. And this is where Jesus is going to come from. That's where the Messiah, I see another type of the Lord Jesus Christ here, that Judah becomes surety. Jesus becomes surety, the guarantee for us. Today we have surety in Jesus. He took my place. He took my penalty for sin. I could not meet the standard of being holy before a holy God. And so I have fallen short of what's expected of me. However, Jesus steps in for me and becomes that surety, that payment for me, so I can meet the standard of God. Being holy before holy God is because of Jesus, another picture, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Judah then reminds his father that, again, if we hadn't procrastinated so long, this would be over with by now. This would be over with. And so their father Israel says to them, if it must be so... Then do this, take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels, carry down a present for the man, a little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double money in your hand. Take back in your hand the money that was returned to the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. So he says, we're going to go back. You're going to bring back the money plus double money to pay for the, the new grain. Okay, and let's break a little, prison, uh, little present as well. Let's bring some gifts like balm, honey, spices, myrrh, pistachio nuts, almonds. Well, the, the land is in severe drought, but there's obviously still some produce happening there. Okay, they have almonds, they have pistachios, they have a little honey, they have all sorts of other things, but you can't live on those things. You need to have bread. You need to have bread. It's interesting here. I think it's also another reminder to the brothers, how they sold their brother Joseph into the hand of the Ishmaelites. Genesis 37, 25 says, and they sat down to eat a meal. They lifted their eyes and looked. There was a company of Ishmaelites. What do they do? Coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing what? Spices, balm, myrrh, on their way to carry them down to Egypt in which to trade, in which to trade. And so there's another reminder here. But what they lacked is bread, the very staple for life. And so he says, take your brother also, arise, go back to the man. He's doing this begrudgingly. But what he says here, and may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your old brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Now Israel, Jacob, Israel is being governed by God. He calls God El Shaddai. God Almighty. 
He's beginning to see here that whether he has a choice or not, and he doesn't think he has a choice, he now has to put things into God's hands. And he says it here. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm going to give you over to God Almighty, who will bring you mercy before the man. And if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. But he's putting it into God's hands. It still requires him to trust God, to be governed by God. Verse 15, so the men took that present and Benjamin. They took double money in their hand, arose, went down to Egypt. They stood before Joseph. Again, the family has money, but you can't eat money. They have money. That's not the issue here. They needed grain and they're willing to pay whatever it would take. So they make the journey. They're brought before Joseph, verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my home, slaughter an animal and make ready for these men will dine with me at noon. Which means this probably had to be sometime in the morning, maybe 9 a.m., 10, somewhere around there. He's gonna be taken to their house, you know, so he could prepare a meal before noon. Okay, they're at noon time. And so then the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. So Joseph speaks to his steward. No doubt he's spoken Egyptian. Uh, the steward tells him they're going to Joseph's house. They became afraid, wondering what we're going to do in Joseph's house. Verse 18. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. Now, this is a dignitary. This is the head of state. He is second in command. It's the prime minister of Egypt who's asking him to come to our house. He is telling him right here that he is going to slaughter an animal, make ready, have the men dine with me. The steward tells him that. But because of their sin and everything else, they can't see this as being a good thing, how they're going to be honored in this man's house, how they're going to be able to eat with him. Instead, they see it as their last supper. Okay. And so it says here, now the men were afraid because they brought, were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we were brought in so that he may make a case against us, seize us, take us as slaves without, with our donkeys. He doesn't have to bring them to their house to do that. He can do that wherever they are in Egypt. He could have done it right then and there. And so they only think that Joseph thinks that they've stolen from him and now they want, he wants to get back at him. And when they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked with him at the door of the house. Said, oh, sir, we came from the first time to buy food, but it happened when we came to the encampment that we opened our sacks and there each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it back in our hand and we brought down other money in our hands to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. So they're very quick to confess uh, uh, this, this uh, misunderstanding of events before they're being accused of something. But he said, the steward, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God, Elohim, and the God, Elohim, of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money, and then he brought Simeon out to them. And Simeon slaps him upside the head. What took you so long? I mean, yeah, I mean. Interesting here that the steward of Joseph could talk about their God, Elohim, and the God of their father. Interesting, that language that he uses there. And I would submit to you that this steward probably has come to know the living God because of Joseph. 
And he's able to tell them a little bit of their history. Look, the God, the God that you serve and the God that your father served, the ones that brought you into Canaan and everything else, that, that God right there, guess what? Everything's okay. You don't need to be afraid because of him, Elohim. You don't need to be afraid. I had your money. Don't worry about it. Yes, I know about the money. All is well. So the man brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water. They washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys feed. They're being treated as guests. They're being greeted with honor. This is a good thing. And so what do they do? Verse 25, then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, bowed down before him to the earth. And then he asked them about their well-being and said, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they answered, your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. They bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. Now, guess what? All 11 are present. All have bowed down before him. That dream he had in chapter 37 has now been fulfilled. And it will be fulfilled many times over. Because every time they came in the presence of the brother, they would have had to bow. Okay. Then he lifted his eyes, saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Elohim, your God. God be gracious to you. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste, sought somewhere to weep, and he went into the chamber and wept there. It's now been, like I said, over 22, 23 years since the last time Joseph has seen his brother. Amazing. It was overwhelming to Joseph. So he quickly excused himself. He weeps. Then it says he washed his face, came out, and he restrained himself and said, serve the bread so they set him a place by himself and then by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. This should have been a little bit of a clue because they set a place by himself and then by themselves. So Joseph ate by himself and then they ate by themselves and then the other Egyptians who were stewards and slaves there, guess what? They ate by themselves. Now, why aren't they eating together, this should have been a clue to them that Joseph isn't an Egyptian. And then they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked in astonishment at one another. How does this man know the birth order? Obviously, Reuben's the oldest, he looks the oldest, Benjamin's the youngest, he looks the youngest, but all the rest in between, how do he know? How do he know? Then he took the servings to them from before him, but Benjamin's serving was five times as much as, the, as theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. They did not care. Okay? They're going to be given grain. Simeon's back with him. Everything is good. He's honoring us. This is a good, good thing. It's interesting that the prophet Zechariah tells us that Jesus Christ is going to make himself known to his brethren. We're going to see this in the next chapter, in chapter 44. That's when he's going to reveal himself to his brothers. Again, another typology that's there about the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to Joseph himself. But we're told by the prophet Zechariah that, um, that the nation of Israel is going to look upon him whom they have pierced. And it's at that point that the Messiah comes back, sets up his kingdom here on earth. 
Well, Joseph is about to do that with his brothers, and thus we see this typology here as well. A.W. Pink says there's 101 types of Joseph as a picture of Jesus. I'm going to show you all 101. No, I won't because we don't have time. That would take probably 60 minutes. Okay. But I'm going to give you 20. I'm going to give you 20 right here. Joseph as a type of Christ. Up to this point, there's another 10 I'll probably show you in the next, you know, five chapters or so. All right. And, uh, and, but there are like 100, over 100 types of Joseph. We just don't have time to go through it all. If you were to Google A.W. Pink, 101 types of Joseph, th- that would come up. It's interesting that in Genesis 37, 1 through 2, both were shepherds. Joseph and Jesus were shepherds. John 10, 11. Guess what? I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. In Genesis 37, verses 4 and 8, both are hated by their brethren and rejected. John 1, 11 tells us that. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. In John 7, 5, these are literally his brothers, okay? And it says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. So Jesus is rejected. Joseph is rejected. Both are hated for telling the truth. John 7, 7, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify it that its works are evil. John 8, 40, but you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Both are hated for telling the truth and prophesying. Genesis 37, verse 11, both persecuted out of jealousy. Stephen in Acts 7, verse 9 says, and the patriarchs became envious and sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with them. Matthew 27, 18, for he knew that they handed him over because of envy or jealousy. Genesis 37, verse 23, both stripped of their coat or tunic and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Matthew 27, 28, speaking of Jesus. Matthew 27, 35, then they crucified him, divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Joseph as a type of Christ. Here, sixth one. Both cast into a pit or an empty tomb. Matthew 28, 1. Now after the Sabbath at the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, came to see the tomb. Verse 5. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Both came up alive. Genesis 37, 28 as well as Luke 24, 5 through 6. Then as they were afraid, they bowed their face to the earth, and they said to him, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Both sold for the price of a slave. We see that in Genesis 37, 28, for he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. And Matthew 26, 15 sold for 30 pieces of silver. The difference is, is that when you are a mature adult over the age of, of 30, guess what? You're sold for 30 pieces of silver, but he was what? Only 17. So for him, it was 17, or 20 pieces of silver. Um, Matthew, again, 26, 14, and 15 tells us that with, with Jesus. They both went into Egypt. Genesis 37, 36. That's where he was taken down to, sold to Potiphar. Matthew 2, 13 through 15. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. 
Stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Both were servants. Genesis 39, 1 through 4, we see that as he served Potiphar. Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and be a ransom for many. We see that both are arrested. John 18, 12, Then the detachment of troops and the captain of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. Both resisted sin and temptation. We saw that with... with uh, um, Joseph with Potiphar's wife saying, how can I sin against God? No, I'm not going to do this thing, you know. And Jesus on, uh, in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, verse 1 says, Jesus was led up to the spirit of the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Both falsely accused. Hey, he's trying to rape me. Not true, but he was still sent in prison. Mark 14, 57 for Jesus. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him. Both suffered for another person's sin because of her sin and everything he suffered he had to go to prison joseph did interesting in second corinthians five twenty one, speaking of jesus for he god made him jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him jesus both sentenced with two criminals remember the butler and the baker jesus was also crucified between two criminals Luke 23, 32, there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. Verse 39 of Luke 23 says, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answer rebuked him, saying, do not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong, and he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, surely I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. One was saved, one was lost. Same with Joseph. One was saved, the butler. The other one lost, the baker died. Both had a Gentile bride. Genesis 41, 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath Paneah, and he gave him as a wife, Asenath, the daughter of, remember I said potpourri, Potiphera, priest of On. So she is a priestess because she is a daughter of a, a priest of a false god. And, and guess what? Was given to Joseph, a Gentile not a Hebrew. And guess what? We are called in 2 Corinthians eleven two. for I'm jealous for you, Paul says, with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are also, both began their ministry around 30 years of age. Luke 3.23 says, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. We're told that, that, um, that Joseph was 30 when he was raised to the right hand of Pharaoh. Both are the bread of life. If it wasn't for Joseph, he's one that's distributing bread to everybody so they may have life. And yet we see in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life, Jesus says. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes me shall never thirst. Both wept for sinners. We see him weeping for his brothers who are sinners. And in Luke 19, 41, now as he drew near Jesus, he saw the city and he wept over it because they didn't understand the day of their visitation that the Messiah was coming. Both broke bread and did a foot washing. You see that with Jesus. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel which he had girded. 
and there's so many more. And we'll pick that up next time. Amen. That wraps up this Friday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us again on Monday as we continue our study in the book of Genesis. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. And on Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday evening at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. We are so blessed you've joined us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.